Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're very kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be back. So, Alan, we're, we're recording uh, the podcast a day after the budget. So we're not going to go into the, the ins and outs of the budget because, of course, that's going to be widely covered and has been widely covered elsewhere. But there's a, a few uh, factors in there that I think that we need to uh, explore, uh, mainly um, for the context of the overall markets and, and what some of the themes um, are, are suggesting at the moment um, for for investors. So, just looking at the FTSE 100 today, we're, we're down quite heavily. That's on the back of a significant sell-off um, over in the United States. Um, there was a significant sell-off also in Asia. That's being driven mainly by uh, rising bond yields. Of course, last week uh, we saw that the ten-year go up to about in America up to about 1.6, currently trading about 1.4. So that's obviously uh, increasing fears of increased borrowing costs going forward and what that means for the equity markets. So I just want to come back now to, to the UK. Um, we obviously sold off um, th- th- this morning. Some of the biggest uh, movers on the downside there were the miners. If you're sort of looking at the likes of Rio Tinto, BHP Billiton, they were down some 7%. At some point, that's mainly down to, to commodities selling off because, of course, if we do see um, rising uh, bond yields, that does mean that the uh, sort of inflation trade that was going to take commodities higher could unwind. Um, so that that's a sector that we've discussed in some details in terms of the, the miners. And I'm just looking at markets now, Alan, and, and thinking... And you know, if we, if we if we go back three months, you could have pretty much bought anything uh, and, and made money on it. But I, th- I think now we're moving towards uh, what I would call a, a stock pickers market, where people have to be more selective um, and do a little bit more homework in their selections. And one of the sectors that, that's really standing out for me at the moment. Um, and this is mainly on, on a valuation basis, looking at, at price to earnings as house builders, um, particularly relevant at the moment because obviously the budget yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, Rishi Sunak uh, announced uh, that he's going to be pushing uh, 5% mortgages. He's going to be um, putting back the stamp duty holiday. I mean, wh- when we're looking particularly, Alan, at, at these house builders, do they have the potential to outperform the FTSE 100 going forward? Or do you think largely a lot of this good news is priced in to, to house builders now, given the, the recent rally that we've seen? I think there's certainly scope for improvement in the house builders, uh, Jonathan. I mean, uh, you know, obviously last year with the pandemic, we saw the UK economy shrink by 10%. You know, that's a huge contraction by by any standards but it's it's uh, predicted the chancellor predicts it's going to come back in uh, this year with uh, growth of four percent expected so of course he's got to do everything he can to drive that and um, certainly the news that uh, they're going back to or they'll underwrite the 
the uh, the last five percent of the mortgages to ninety five percent is great news. I think to stimulate the housing market because there you've got generation rent out there as well, and uh, he wants to move as he says that generation from generation rent to generation house owners, and uh, yeah, you know certainly uh, I think um, I, I think given the amounts uh, that uh, some some uh, young families are being charged for rent, uh, that's a really good thing. Um, and of course, what that will do is stimulate uh, the demand for housing, um, which should serve to certainly uh, provide a solid backdrop for house building stocks. Um, and of course, on the back of that, you've got the builders merchants that supply them, the plumbers merchants, um, uh, the, the companies that supply insulation, all of that, that they're all going to benefit from that increase in sales and, and it has a you know it reaches far and wide so um so yeah i mean obviously yeah that there are concerns and the bond sell-off as you say has triggered fears of uh you know further inflation and of course that's um that's uh that has uh that has sort of uh, put paid to the um, uh, not put paid to certainly sort of put a lid on the demand for commodities in the interim. So, um, but I, I think overall, um, certainly the the forecast for unemployment. You know, I think there are expectations of uh, horrendous numbers on the unemployment front. But with the extension of furlough schemes, um, with unemployment expected to peak at six and a half percent next year that's that's well down from what what uh, had been previously expected but of course the government's having to borrow a huge amount of money to do that so um so it remains to be seen how they're going to deal with that in the longer term yes of course i mean they've somewhat kicked the can down the road with putting um you know tax uh, hikes um away for sort of two or three years there was some speculation initially that they uh, could be announcing something in yesterday's budget, which they didn't do, which I think is probably a sensible thing to do, given the state of uh, the the economy at this point in time. I mean, Alan, let's just go back to the to the FTSE 100 because we we did obviously see a sell off um, this morning. I mean, do you feel sort of looking at broad equity markets, and this is probably applicable to to overseas markets as well to some extent? Do you think that we've come? a little too far too quickly in terms of the rally and the underlying global economy isn't going to support um, some of the valuations that we're seeing, particularly maybe in the, in the tech sector over in the, in the United States um, and you know back here in, in the UK. Um, conversely, um, some sectors are particularly undervalued, um, whereas we, you know, we've got our um, classes, classic uh, COVID stocks such as you know, Just Eat and Ocado, they run away from, from themselves. I mean, these sort of uh, uh, sectors, are, are we due a reset uh, at, at some point in, in the not too distant futures? And, and that's going to be an opportunity, do you feel, um, for investors to then step in at that point? Very much so. And I think the, um, you know, because you've got these technology sectors that are so highly rated, particularly in the USA, um, it, those sectors are always prone to a reset and um, and uh, and a correction, which is a healthy thing. And yeah, investors will sell out, um, uh, help to drive that correction, and then of course um, investors will again buy in at the low level. But um, just just looking at the the march forward in in technology, obviously um, it, it, the the the, uh, 
the relentless drive in electric vehicle growth. Um, Jaguar is going fully electric by 2025. Ford is going fully electric. One of the largest vehicle manufacturers in the world going fully electric by 2030. That's that. Those moves alone create um, such a drive and demand, future demand for uh, the constituent components such as lithium, graphite, um, copper, and so on. That um, that uh, whilst we're going to see these corrections certainly in the interim, due to you know what I term as knee jerk reactions, the backdrop. Um, in my opinion, is still uh, as strong as ever. Um, and I think also, you know, with the grants the government's providing, I mean, the, there's a five billion, five billion grant for shops and businesses, so retail, that's going to get a shot in the arm and help for um, leisure industry as well. So probably what we're going to see is, um, whilst there's a correction at the moment in commodity stocks, we'll see, um, we'll see increased demand for leisure, travel, the more conventional stocks, of course, have taken such a, such a battering. So, um, yeah, I, I, I expect the FTSE to progress further this year. Possibly, we could possibly even get back to 7,000 by the end of the year. Who knows? Yeah, someone, I don't think that's uh, too much of a ridiculous idea. And sort of touching on the tech sector there, one uh, investment trust that I know is very closely followed by in investors is the Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Um, looking at where that is trading now, just above £10. It looks as though we, we have seen a, a reset already in, in that particular yeah. um, trust there. So that, that's looking quite interesting. So um, certainly going to be some opportunities from this volatility that we're, that we're seeing at the, uh, at the moment. So I'm going to move on now, Alan, to the three equities that we're going to discuss uh, today. So, I mean, the, the first of these um, plays into quite an interesting um, report uh, out very recently from um, BlackRock and um, the, the newly, well, not newly launched, this was launched um, uh, within the last uh, sort of 12 to 18 months. The BlackRock Circular Economy Fund um, has recently highlighted key sectors for, for 2021. This is obviously playing into um, increasing sustainability within uh, the business cycle that they've highlighted plastic as, as being one uh, key element for the circular economy, technology, healthcare, and, and obviously fast fashion is, is an area that needs some, some attention. So just looking at this technology uh, area, and this plays in very nicely to uh, the first company that we're going to discuss here in Ectech, because they're very much at the forefront of circular economy technology with yeah. uh, their, their waste energy plants. They've been rolling out. They had a tremendous 2020 in terms of, of, of share price. Um, David Palumbo's appeared a couple of times on UK Mr. Magazine presentations. Very interesting insight there into the company. Um I think the last one they did was sort of mid last year, just before uh, they underwent a capital raising, which which then subsequently saw the share price soar from there. But Alan, what's the uh, the most recent updates from Ectech? Okay, so Ectech, um, as you as you rightly say, Jonathan, they're at the they're at the heart of the uh, of the drive in in waste to energy uh, technology. They they have advanced uh, gasification technology that's. Uh, used in industrial-sized power plants and it's proprietary technology that has been developed by the group. Um, and um, 
essentially uh, the the uh, when the the uh, waste and the plastic is put into into the um, the gasification unit, it reduces that volume by ninety six percent, creates heat and, and electricity, and of course it's very positive on 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 the climate change front. Um, and it's had, I mean, the company had an incredible 2020, as you rightly say. If you put, uh, so the shares were trading at uh, 0.5p on the 18th of November. Um, by the time, uh, by the, at the start of January, they were trading at 2.76p. So, you know, within a couple of months, you could have had a, a multi-bagger on your hands. Um, but that's uh, that's just really underscoring that the potential um, uh, that the, the, the company is, is is set to deliver this year. Um, it has a number of uh, uh, collaborations and joint ventures underway, um, working with a company uh, called uh, UAG, a German-based company. It um, it announced um, it announced uh, at the start of January that uh, it had formed a, a, a mem- or, or signed a, a memorandum of, of understanding with a Greek company called Nobilis. Um, uh, and between the three of them, they were the company. The uh, companies are going to collaborate to develop a pipeline of opportunities in the Thessaloniki area and central Greece. Um, and it, it's it's a step along the road that uh, really highlights the joint venture potential for UAG and EcTech across Greece and also across the Balkans um, as well. A uh, number of developments uh, um, and uh, joint ventures uh, uh, during uh, 2020 as well uh, were signed and developed. Um, and indeed, uh, when the company uh, discussed its uh, its prospects for the coming year, um, it uh, said its sales pipeline implied uh, 7 million euros of sales in 2020, uh, 40 million euros in 2021 with a profit of 5.5 million euros um, uh, in 2022. They forecast sales of 65 million euros with a profit of 11 million euros, and indeed the company seems to be well on the way to do that. To to, to doing that, um, it's developing a 25 megawatt waste gasification power plant up in Billingham in County Durham. Uh, um, there's a ref, uh, an RDF refuse derived fuel um, uh, a special purpose vehicle agreement signed at D side, um, and. Um, uh, the, the company announced uh, at the end of February, in fact, that uh, it had acquired the project site at Bellingham and, of course, uh, was set to create a number of jobs and environmental uh, uh, benefits uh, in in the area. Um, also, also in February, the company announced a collaboration with a company called Logic, L-O-G-I-K. Uh, Logic are a strategic land developer and they're progressing a number of uh, or the progressive portfolio of waste to energy projects and sites across the UK. So obviously, you know, it's an extremely good fit. Um, um, EgTech bring the technology, Logic uh, seek out the sites and and uh, help develop the sites. So uh, in in regard to hitting that, those numbers, uh, 40 million euros and 5.5 million profits in, in 2021, the company looks well on track to do that. And of course, with the shares currently trading at 1.5 5p they've come off those year highs um and now would seem to be a good time to do that company is well funded it um, um a couple of days ago raised 285,000 from warrant exercises and of course as you say uh, david Polumbo, who's um who's well regarded uh, he's an entrepreneur also the C- chief executive um origin capital um he's driving the company forward and uh, and has made very good progress since his induction company also recently Appointed the chief ops officer Jeff Vanderlinden, 
formerly from AB and Bev and Sab Miller, um, the brewery, brewery and drinks distribution giants. Um, uh, also, uh, Jeff previously worked with Cap Gemini, PwC, and IBM. So um, they're they're expanding the board, expanding the team, and uh, and expanding and growing the company, uh, which which looks to me to be very well placed for growth uh, this year. Indeed, I mean, look, looking at the the list of recent projects uh, is very much playing into the strategy that they set out uh, last year. Uh, I mean, the expansion into the UK, uh, I think, is going to be particularly interesting um, with this wider theme of searching for more renewable sources of uh, of themes. This is definitely uh, one placed in, in the right sector at the moment uh, and definitely delivering on its uh, strategy there. So I think we're going to have quite a strong uh, 2020 from Ectex. So I'm sure one that we, we touch on uh, again yep. at some point. So... Um, m- moving on now. Now, this is a company, just looking at the charts here, uh, very strong rally that started probably back in November 2020 and um, seen the share price n- nearly double, actually, from uh, around 25p up to trading now at just beneath uh, 50p. Expediator is it's involved in logistics. Uh, you know, a business like this with all the, the issues that are supposedly going on with, with Brexit, you think we'll be facing some issues, but it doesn't seem to be the case, Alan. What's uh, What's been happening there? No, you're right, Jonathan. It's actually counterintuitive in a sense, isn't it? You, you, you know, given the issues with Brexit and COVID and uh, the lockdown and everything else, you think that... Um, uh, what is essentially a freight management and haulage company would be uh, would be in dire straits, but uh, not a bit of it. But and also as, as we've seen, of course, we've spoken previously about Logistics Development Group, the former Eddie Stobart Logistics, um, who also have seen uh, 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 have enjoyed a, a very strong year. But um, I took a look at Expediator, just wondering if if uh, Logistic Development Group's successes had been reflected there, and they and they certainly have, as as you pointed out, an incredibly strong. Share price performance, you know, with shares trading at twenty two p back in at the start of November, and now trading just under fifty p. So they they've doubled since that point. So the company um, Expediator, XPD, the Epic Code shares have traded as high as fifty seven p, as low as thirteen p on the year. So we're pushing towards those year highs. Got a market cap of just under seventy million. Um, it was founded by uh, Stephen Blythe in 1988, and it's been a family business pretty much all the way through, um, based in Essex, um, and it now employs um, uh, over a thousand people in nine in nine countries across uh, across Europe. Uh, so uh, Stephen Blythe stepped down after 32 years um, toward the end of. Uh, um, uh, to, toward the end of the end of, t- of 2019, um, he was replaced by um, uh, one of the senior managers, Robert Ross, who is still the, C- the chief executive today, and he's uh, he's certainly been responsible for uh, maintaining the performance of the group during the COVID crisis. In October, they acquired a company called Nid Transport up in Ripon in Yorkshire to expand their network. Um, and uh, they paid 4.6 million in cash out of the company for that. So um, the company's in a very strong position financially, clearly, to be able to do that. The company has a pallet business as well, um, uh, and operates uh, on road sea and air. And the pallet business is has been a perennial performer uh, uh, for them. And um, certainly, uh, that was reflected uh, uh, in the in the. Uh, um, in, in the trading estate the company issued uh, at the end of January. 
uh, where it said it was set to beat market expectations and deliver, um, and this was based on higher than expected demand in the UK and Europe. Uh, the company said it would expect to report pre-tax profits of 7.2 million, uh, which are basically up 40% on, on a year ago. And Robert Ross said that um, uh, the, the numbers were really an excellent result to end an extraordinary year, but also that 2021 had started well um, and the company was set to benefit and was already seeing benefits from the half a million cost saving uh, or, or cost reductions it had made during 2020 as a result of the crisis. So um, again, a counterintuitive um, investment, perhaps, but uh, one one that uh, one that I think has uh, has has um, uh, performed extraordinarily well. Um, and I, I, I guess, given that uh, given that um, uh, the uh, you know in, in the, we, we've spoken, of course, about logistics logistics development group previously, and we've seen that company enjoy an incredibly strong year on the back of. Uh, providing the distribution services for Tesco's and for and for other supermarkets, and of course, um, it's important uh, uh, in lockdown. Uh, people are relying on um, distribution uh, more than ever. So, um, in that regard, Expediator have seen the same benefits. Uh, further growth to come this year. It certainly looks that way at the moment. Indeed. So, I'm just just looking at the shares. I mentioned there that they've obviously doubled since November. I mean, is is this one that that you feel has the um, trajectory to to move higher from here, or do you think sort of now looking at, at shares that a lot of the good news is priced in, and, and really investors should be looking at a bit of a pullback um, here as a as an entry, or do you think this is this is one that's going to continue its its march from this point forwards? Well, I saw the company present a few years ago at an investor evening, and um, they, the company uh, prided themselves essentially on managing and, uh, their cash and their resources very carefully. Um, and when they came to market, they had a war chest to, to make these acquisitions. Um, so, of course, they've continued to make the acquisitions, the NID Transport one being the most recent one. So um, I think the company have, they're acquiring a network. And obviously, with with a network of companies like this, there are great, great opportunities uh, for economies of scale. So, um, so, so uh, it's essentially, it's not asset stripping. They can cut the running costs of that company to improve the profit margin and bring them all together. So that strengthens their position. Also, uh, if it comes to a downturn um, in the business, um, but but certainly. Certainly, given the way uh, given the way we, uh, things seem to be progressing at the moment, um, uh, I, I think uh, there is scope for, for, for further growth within these industries. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people, even though the lockdown is set to be lifted in the summer, I think a lot of people will still choose to self isolate and rely more heavily on uh, on uh, uh, online services and uh, certainly receiving their food from the supermarkets online. Yes, yes, indeed. And I think, you know, obviously going back to other companies we discussed in the uh, in, in the sector, that there seems to be some strength there um, from uh, from a top-down perspective. So I think we're probably going to have another update from them later on in the year that we'll be uh, be, be touching on. So um, moving on now, Alan, we, we're going to touch on uh, Myriad Advertising, obviously operating in the ad tech uh, sector we've uh, we've discussed this company uh, in some detail previously but like a lot of the companies that we do discuss there, there's always 
um, new developments as, as they grow. So what's uh, the recent updates from them? Okay, so Myriad, of course, uh, um, MIRI is the Epic Code. Um, it's a technology company, um, and uh, the Myriad have developed um, a, a, uh, um, a, a, a dynamic platform where um, advertising can be inserted into live content. So um, if you're if you and I are watching a film, Jonathan, and there's say a crate of beer on the counter in the kitchen and the scene then you might see Corona beer, I might see Fuller's Bitter. It's that sort of, that, that's how clever the technology is. Um, and there's a there's a very strong reason for this and uh, a, a very strong uh, reason commercially too. Um, given that we're watching box sets now and that stream, uh, streaming services like, such as Netflix are to the fore, um, uh, conventional TV advertising doesn't get the airtime that it once did simply because we choose to, um, we choose to, to, to hit the skip ads button. So we wind through and get to the next part. Um, so now more than ever, it's essential that um, for advertisers wanting to reach their audience that, uh, that they, they can do so without interrupting the flow of the program. And that's what Myriad have essentially developed. It's, a, it's um, artificial intelligence um, and uh, it's insert, insertion of commercial content into programming at, 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 uh, at, at many different levels. And as we've seen, I mean, um, Myriad 2 has enjoyed a spectacular year. I mean, shares were trading at this point last year. Um, they, they were trading at, at, as low as, as 6p. And, of course, they've uh, come all that way and traded as high as 65p. Largely driven, I might add, by the move um, in September last year to an OTC listing in the U.S., um, a lot of the company's work and contracts are with you are in the US, and that's where it sees huge opportunities. So, of course, um, the move gave them exposure to US investors, and certainly uh, trading at 20p that um, as they were at the time, the shares then jumped up to 35, 40p, and have continued to push on on since then. Um, so revenues are modest at this point, um, so it, it certainly reflects a, a racy valuation. But um, I think with the contracts the company has, it has a contract with Tencent. Of course, there's a massive campaign taking place in China across the various platforms. Um, the company has trialed Channel 4 in the UK, um, has a number of trials running with major networks in the USA. Um, and then, um, and then uh, it uh, announced an, a breakthrough commercial uh, agreement um, uh, with with content providers and also with uh, with music uh, providers. It formed an alliance in November with Red Light Management, um, so commercial content could be inserted into current videos and, of course, historical videos. So if you're watching, say, uh, you know, videos from, from a 90s uh, song, then you might see ad content in there now from from Myriad. So um, the, the, the opportunities going forward and also retrospectively for Myriad are absolutely huge. Um, Myriad also raised, um, they undertook a placing at 40 pence in November last year, raised 23 uh, million. And so at the time, the company was uh, trading in line with its revenue guidance of 2 million and was very encouraged with the partnerships it was making. The funds would be, of course, used to accelerate the, the sales and, uh, and, and platform development. And to that end, they made two appointments, which I think have really helped to open up for them. They uh, uh, appointed as technology officer a guy called Philip Matamo, 
um, formerly of Talk Talk, Sky and Skype, um, to develop and uh, and build the the network of uh, of sales opportunities and uh, and technology uh, solutions, um, and also a point to a lady called Kelsey Skinner who um, is uh, ex Stanford Uni, worked for a Payo Alto uh, venture capital firm in on the West Coast in the USA, um, and is also working now for Touchstone Innovations. You know, a lot of experience at Silicon Valley, and this lady is expected to bring a great deal to to the table. So shares, in a sense, have taken a breather really since um, since the start of the year. Um, but um, I think once we start to see further evidence of, of uh, contracts being uh, developed with the major networks, I think uh, Myriad will take its next steps and continue to develop. Um, and as we know, if we look at the Nasdaq, technology companies in this area are trading on ratings well ahead of where Myriad is today. So Adam, when I'm just I'm looking at the company here, of course, I'm just going back to um, its interim results, which were issued some time ago. And this is obviously to the half year uh, of June uh, of, of last year. So we're going to be expecting uh, an, an update, of, I believe, in the not too distant future. I mean, what, what are you looking for in particular from uh, from this company? I mean, th- there's two elements that, uh, that that I see here that are particularly interesting with, with Myriad. Um, first of all, an, an increase in in revenue that that's representative of the contract wins, but also their uh, and they had back then cut their their expenditure as well. So that that obviously. Uh, summed up to be a reduced loss overall for for the period i mean is this a company that you that you think is going to continue on that trend or, or do you feel that there's still some expenditure needed at quite high levels um to keep the the growth in in revenue going uh, i suspect that the majority of the spend uh is is now completed but um but clearly uh, it's a moving feast, as we know, and um, and there may well be further requirements. But uh, in October last year, Myriad announced a, a breakthrough commercial agreement with an, the entertainment and media enterprise, um, and and, uh, and I think it's you know what in the same way that uh, we've spoken about companies like Bidstack going through the trialing process and the validation process, um, Myriad in a sense has been going through. Uh, through, through the same, the, the, the or has has taken the same steps, um, but uh, of course it's had agreements, got agreements with Taste Made, Fuse Media, Meredith, and um, and, and other household names um, already. So uh, I think um, the opportunity for Myriad to really start to commercialise this and for revenues to start to accelerate, um, I think we're we, we, they've done the hard yards now, and I think now is the time where we'll see. The, the the results from the the advertising um, spends uh, and the the take up by advertisers become become widespread. So that that I think will underwrite the the I think that should underwrite um, um, uh, future revenues and of course uh, uh, negate the the need for any uh, certainly near term in the near term or the foreseeable future any need for any further fundraising. Yeah, they seem they seem to be relatively well capitalised. Just looking here at recent reports and activities that have happened subsequently to that. So I'm sure one that we will update listeners uh, of the podcast on in further updates later in 2021. So um, just as a recap, there stocks that we discussed today were were Ectech, uh, ticker EQT. 
um, Expediator with a ticker of EPD. And just then was Myriad Advertising, which trades under the ticker of M-I-R-I. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Just to say Expediator is XPD. Sorry, XPD. XPD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The wrong way around. XPD there. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 